From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Upstate University Hospital recently completed its 1,000th kidney transplant. And here to talk about the transplant service and the need for kidney donors is Professor of Surgery and Interim Chief of Transplant Services, Dr. Mark Laftavi. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Laftavi. Thank you, Amber. It's a pleasure to uh, be with you. So the 1,000th, we're talking about deceased donor transplants, and that took place in mid-December 2020. What can you tell us about that transplant? Well, just to uh, update you with the data, Upstate uh, almost have done uh, 1,500 kidney transplant uh, since 1988. Uh, the program has been here for 51 years, but we don't have data from those days. The most published data start from 1988. And since then, we have done uh, about a thousand deceased donor and uh, 400 uh, living donor kidney transplant, and we have done pancreas transplant. So the program have a very extensive experience in performing kidney and pancreas transplant uh, for many years. And you know, transplant is a teamwork, and it's not only uh, the surgeon or the uh, physicians are involved, but the whole hospital need to be trained, the, the whole system need to be trained. So hospitals that have a good record and long record that everybody is familiar with the transplant uh, normally uh, provide a better service to their patients than those that have done few transplants. So on top of the thousand that Upstate has done, there have been about 400 living donor transplants. So in general, how many transplants are done per year at Upstate? Well, uh, the transplant program uh, was uh, small before, uh, but uh, the last actually we did about 570 transplant within the last uh, five, six years. So average, uh, we do about 100 transplant here. Uh, uh, in 2018, we performed about 115 transplant. Uh, and uh, in six years ago, Upstate decided to expand their uh, transplant program. And therefore, uh, we doubled and tripled the transplant number here at Upstate since then. Has the pandemic slowed down or had a big impact on the number of transplants in the past year? Yes, it did. Uh, actually, many program in the United States uh, dropped uh, by 25 to 75% of their transplant volume during the pandemic because, you know, this uh, is uh, um, a certain time, particularly at the beginning, we did not know about the virus and we did not know a lot of information about how it uh, progress in a people who are immune compromised, where their immune system is low. Uh, but uh, uh, knocking on the wood, and thanks to our uh, entire family in, at Upstate, our number did not drop significantly from uh, the year before, and uh, we uh, completed the same number as, as uh, 2019. So the 1,000th deceased donor transplant took place in mid-December 2020. What can you tell us about the transplant program at Upstate? Our data now, uh, we are uh, good uh, outcomes, uh, mostly at the national level, slightly better than the national level, actually. But I want to recognize uh, many colleagues uh, before me here 
that they uh, actually uh, on their shoulder that this program was built and many very giant uh, transplant surgeons and leaders in our program that this program grow and reach to this level and thanks to them that uh, and based on their legacy that we built this program. Can you tell us about some of the changes that have occurred with kidney transplants over the past 50 years? I'm sure there's been a lot of advances. Certainly. You know, the surgery improved tremendously. Our understanding from the immunology of transplant improved tremendously. Uh, when I started to uh, uh, perform kidney transplant, uh, the immunology of transplant was really maybe 10 pages. Now it's thousands of pages that we know about how the immune system react to the new organs. Uh, by the way, I, I myself have done more than 1500 kidney transplant in my life. So, uh, we had this experience and uh, we uh, uh, now understand the medication better. Uh, first days when we started, uh, indeed, the rejection rate was very high. It was almost like 50%. In, in majority of the transplant program, now rejection is less than 10%. In our program, the same. Our rejection rate is very low. So there was a lot of advance in the medication. Also in the old days, we had one or two medications. And if we don't, if the patient develops some side effect to them, um, they have to lose their organs. But now we have many uh, different medications that easy we can switch from one to another one. So it gives us more uh, abilities to, uh, to accept actually uh, uh, high risk organs and high risk uh, patients. In old days, we would not transplant people unless they are in a good shape. Now, we certainly at Upstate particularly, we accept many patients that they are considered to be very high risk for transplant and we transplant them here successfully with a good outcome. So an, an improvement in the medication and an improvement, it sounds like in the surgical ability or the types of patients that might be candidates for the surgery. Correct. Both sides, we improved the tremendous transplant is, you know, it's a very new field is uh, almost about 70, 80 years that started uh, and there is a lot of development and evolution every day, but we have been uh, uh, one of the most successful practice of medicine. When we started the early transplant in the 60s, the outcome uh, were uh, only 50% of survival in one year. So when you get transplant, it was 50%. And uh, one of two would lose their organs within a year. And thanks to those advancement, uh, this is not the case anymore. At, uh, the, our outcome now is 95%, 96% in one year. So uh, that is a, a lot of achievement in the field of transplant compared to any other practice of medicine that we, that we did not see that much improvement within a short period of time. Uh, for how long have living donor transplants been uh, an option? Living donor actually was the first transplant done by Dr. Murray in Boston. And that was from uh, identical twins. At that days, uh, they were doing only living donors. And then the deceased donor was added. So the transplant actually started with living donor. Interesting. 
Let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking to Dr. Mark Loftavi, the Interim Chief of Transplant Services at Upstate University Hospital. So let me ask you, I want to look ahead. How do you think kidney transplant may evolve in the next 50 years? There is a lot of work has been done. Indeed, uh, you know, where we start to even grow a kidney. Uh, there is... Uh, a lot of effort on that because of the shortage of the organ, as you know, still every year 6,700 people in the United States die uh, because of the shortage of organs. We cannot transplant them, and that's a big number. So, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big hassle still exists uh, regarding the shortage of the organs. And for that reason, um, I want to emphasize on the living donors because if we have a beloved one that need a kidney, we should not hesitate to help him or her. And uh, because there is not enough organs that we transplant people here at Upstate, we almost have 370 patients still waiting for a kidney transplant. And nationalwide, uh, we have about 100,000 patients waiting for a kidney transplant. So, uh, uh, we start to grow uh, probably organs. There is another effort also in xenotransplant, what we call it, it means that we can use animal organs in a human, uh, some of them from the pig, and there was something they call them transgenic uh, uh, organs that maybe sometime they can introduce the gene of the human to some animals and uh, make it like a chimerism or a hybrid of organs that the body uh, will, will accept and do the same function. Uh, there is uh, also uh, one of the major things that we were part of here is the medication that we use uh, to um, uh, to uh, manage the rejection, which all this medication themselves, they have their own side effect. And up to 30 to 40% of patients may develop serious side effect from the medication. So we are looking uh, the Transplant Society working on a, a something called tolerance, uh, like in bone marrow transplant, when we give the bone marrow transplant after five, six months, we stop the medications. In this protocol that we were part of, it was a multi-center study and Upstate was part of, uh, we can use the donor uh, bone marrow uh, 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 stem cells and uh, we, 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 get, we gather the stem cells when we gather some cells from the donors and we inject them to the recipient. And we kind of uh, building some mix uh, or what we call it chimerism, a mix uh, immune system that is the mix of the donor and the recipient immune system or uh, uh, white blood cells. And those cells normally uh, uh, fail to recognize the new graph because they are part of the donor. And uh, after uh, six months, uh, we can stop the medication so the patient does not need any immunosuppression anymore. That would be a big revolution in, in, in the transplant uh, field because uh, these drugs that we use, as I said, uh, they are not uh, benign and sometimes we have to pay a big price. So that would be huge if uh, the person that got the transplant then later on didn't need medication. It would be like starting over, like new almost, it sounds like. Absolutely. That certainly would be a great achievement. 
and that is the hope that uh, of the transplant society uh, uh, that we can get rid of these uh, drugs. As you know, uh, these medications uh, not only uh, uh, you know reduce your immune system, the patient on transplant they will be more also prone to infections, uh, particularly viral infections, cancers, and so forth. So uh, and they are costly too, like about thousand uh, dollars cost per month. So uh, that I think uh, uh, will be a great uh, advantage to many patients that uh, and we are, we are following that we're still part of this study and hopefully we can expand it later on to most of our patients. Now, once a person's on the transplant waiting list, do you always suggest that they try to find a friend or relative who might be willing to donate for a living donation? Absolutely. Um, living donors have uh, many advantages. Um, one, it's uh, I always bring this uh, simple example, like a brand new car and used car. Living donors are like a brand new car, so we expect them to work better and we expect them to work longer. And uh, uh, we need less medication because rejection also is lower in these kind of kidneys. And normally, if you are healthy and um, and have no other uh, medical uh, issues, uh, um, if you donate a kidney, uh, it should not compromise your general health. Uh, therefore, nobody should hesitate to save the life of a brother or sister or family or a friend. Yeah, does let me interrupt and ask you, does blood type have to match? Is that what you're looking for when you're looking for a, a match? No, we do have a protocol here at Upstate that actually uh, we can use this kind of organs. There are many strategies, whether uh, from desensitization or whether from a swap. So uh, if there is a healthy donors, there would be a transplant. And uh, that's not... And, like if your uh, blood type is not the same, that doesn't matter. What about size, like body size or organ size? No, it's, you know, certainly size matters in some part, but living donors have a good reserve. So uh, we still use kidneys up to 70 years old. And uh, when it comes from a living donors, because they are healthy organs, and we do very extensive testing here before we accept these donors. We are very sensitive to do uh, a lot of work uh, from not only from medical, but psychological and other aspects of the donations. And after being uh, ensured that this is safe for the donors and for the recipient, we accept these donors. So it's a very extensive uh, uh, examinations and testing and all these things uh, before we accept those uh, as a, uh, those individuals as a donors. Do diseases like if a, if a donor has um, or someone who wants to donate, if they've had cancer in the past, does that disqualify them? No, if the cancer has been remission and cancer was, uh, you know, uh, 10 years uh, and it has not been recurrence or any sign of recurrence, I think that should be fine. But people like have diabetes, people who have a heart condition, uh, vascular disease, those people probably are not the candidate. But I think is the best is to, if anybody want to save their family, 
they give us a call and first things we just talk to them briefly by the phone we screen them uh, easily and after very you know five six questions no more than that uh, we will let them know if they are eligible or not Thank you to Dr. Mark Loftavi, a surgeon and interim chief of transplant services at Upstate University Hospital. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.